Welcome to the Million Pound Biller Coffee Break Podcast. These are short podcasts for you to listen to at a coffee break. Developed to give you some quick ideas on how to help you build your desk and business. Now, over to Adrian Mansfield, the Million Pound Biller for today's Coffee Break Podcast. I'm Adrian Mansfield, and in my 20 plus years in recruitment, I've had a number of million pound years. I've worked in most of the major recruitment markets and in all sales roles within a recruitment agency. I've also run my own company and set up companies both in the UK and in several international locations. Recruitment has given me the opportunity to travel the world and see some of the best and worst places on offer, from Australia to Afghanistan and many more in between. The Million Pound Biller podcast offers those at any level in recruitment tips and ideas from me and my contacts, both inside and outside recruitment. But all from the coalface, information and ideas that can be taken back to your day-to-day careers and put you on the path to a million pound year. The cornerstone of my success over the years has been my willingness to learn and develop my skills, something I still do every day. Now I'm offering you some of my ideas and thoughts that will allow you to squeeze the most out of your recruitment career, no matter what level you're at and where you're aiming for. Every journey, even one to a million pounds, starts with a single step. So let's take that first step together. Welcome to the Million Pound Biller Friday Coffee Break podcast. Thanks, uh, the end of another week. And uh, this week in lockdown, I've been uh, taking my daily walks and been making notes on things that I found of interest to bring to you guys in, in this part of this podcast. And I've got a couple of things today that I wanted to go over with you that sort of resonated with me in the last week. I hope you'll take something from them and we can have your feedback on social media as to what your thoughts are. So the first one I wanted to go over today was the idea about backing yourself, particularly in recruitment. Nobody else will do it until you do. Quite a few years ago in 2009, I lost my company as a result of a number of factors, including the recession of 2008-9. Now, if any of you have been through the pain of losing your own company, you'll empathise. I was hurt. I was really down. But I picked myself up slowly and I went from being my MD, owner of my own business, becoming an employed recruitment consultant. I basically went back to working for somebody else. I was back running a desk with a target and a business area that the company wanted me to grow. And that was my position in mid-2009. In late 2009, I got an interesting opportunity to bid for. The opportunity was in an area that I started to explore with my own business, but was completely out of kilter with the company I was now employed by. The company I joined was a very UK-based recruitment business, which had a zero international business, and they delivered zero large contract opportunities. They had traditionally driven small numbers of contractors to small SME companies. So the opportunity I found would be an almost complete 180 for them. The opportunity I'd got was to deliver what I thought would be around 30 contractors to a project in Kabul, Afghanistan. <laughs> it wasn't just international, it was a war zone back in 2009, 2010. Afghanistan was still very much an active military location. For those that can't remember or aren't that age group, just go Google Helmand in 2008, 2009, 2010 and see what comes up. It isn't a pretty picture. Oh, and it wouldn't be using UK staff. It would be sourcing and deploying contractors from around Southeast Asia, places such as India, Sri Lanka and the Philippines, as well as staff from Eastern Europe. As you can imagine, my bosses would need a lot of convincing. But I was confident in the solution I could bring. So I did my research. I gathered my data, including reviewing all the possible objections that they could have and having answers ready for them. Then I approached my bosses and I talked them through the solution that I would deliver and the financial projections. I sold them on the opportunity. I sold them on the project to my company. And this was only at bid stage. We hadn't won the work, but I didn't want to bid unless I had the company on board. I took the risk. My view was, I'm going to back myself to deliver on this and make it work. And I'm prepared to make the efforts to make it work. That's one of the biggest things you must learn in recruitment. You have to back yourself to be confident in your own skills. Given where I was in 2009, I could easily have let this opportunity pass by. 
the company I was with didn't do this sort of project. I wasn't targeted on this type of project. So bidding for the work, not to mention the work to do to convince my bosses it was a good option, would all need to be done in my own time, as it wasn't fee-earning and I still needed to hit my targets. So I could have easily let this slide. I could have said, I've just lost a company, I've cut some bruises from that process, and I just want to get my head down and do my job. But I backed myself on my abilities and decided to go for it. Without that confidence, it's no good talking to a manager, a boss, or an MD to convince them. If you don't have confidence in yourself, how are they supposed to have confidence in you? The result of that confidence that I had back then in 2009 to get the bid approved was the first order from the company was 120 staff. Within two years, I was running 1,500 staff across all major bases in Afghanistan and locations in Iraq, Africa, and the Middle East. And the company I now ran as their managing director was turning over 15 million pounds a year and made over 2.8 million pounds in gross profits per year. On a personal level, I traveled to some beautiful parts of Asia in business class and seen places I never would have seen without that project, not least Iraq and Afghanistan. Not bad for a risky opportunity I had to push hard even to bid for. Fundamentally, recruitment is about taking calculated risks. Which role we work on, which client we work with, as opposed to taking candidates from, even down to the company we work for or whether we go it alone. I believe that the best consultants have or learn the ability to see the risk and potentials in any piece of work, then weigh up those risks against the potential upsides and work to mitigate them as much as possible. The other thing you need to make sure is that you continue to back yourself. It's all very well backing yourself to bid for something, but once you've got the opportunity, you need to back up those commitments. As with anything worth doing, there'll be tough times and it won't always be plain sailing. When we were delivering the project in Afghanistan, we had many, many rocky moments on the project. Not least the day a charter plane arrived with not 90 staff, but 20 staff. I worked through each one and kept my long-term view on the plan I'd set myself and that sold to my bosses. You need to go into any project or new area with the following beliefs. I am going to do this. I'm going to make this happen no matter what. And I'm going to go for it with everything I have got. Then you need to deliver. That means you need to continue to back up your own position. Recruitment is a simple business. At its heart, there are two key aspects. Back your own skills to get the work and then work hard to deliver. If you can master these, you're well on your way to a million pound year. The second thing that came up in my thoughts this week was the idea of success, not action, and how to avoid being a busy fool. I've noticed over the last three or four years that recruitment has become more and more of a stat-based business. Tools and solutions to track all aspects of work have become easier to implement and cheaper to buy as an app for everything these days. The number of desktop dashboards have become more prevalent and any CRM solution worth its fee comes with an almost instant solution for tracking everything you want it to do so. Now, my virtual business mentor, virtual because he has absolutely no idea who I am, it's a Dave Brailsford. He's become famous for his point of marginal gains, the art of finding that percentage that sets you apart, making the stats-based change that will allow for better results. When Sir Dave Brailsford ran the Olympic cycling team and then with Sky Ineos, he implemented the same processes. They take stats from all areas, take wider information and best practice ideas, and they use those stats and that information to make things better. Or rather, they try to make things better, and then they measure it and see how it worked. Stats and information are always going to be part of a recruitment business. There are simply too many easy stats to track. However, I believe there's a way to look at stats that is more Sky Ineos and less a stick to beat people with. The latter seems to be the route I've more often heard recruitment firms using either covertly or overtly. For me, the ultimate goal of anything is success in whatever form that is. Be that winning a cycle race or billing a million pounds in a year. 
I believe that your own success is the most important item you should be measuring. I ran a desk that had done so much work on that clients came to me, as did candidates, as they knew I was the best person to work with. That meant I could make three to six placements a month regularly with little or no outbound calls. My stats would have looked horrendous. Well, apart from the one that mattered, placements. Sure, I could make more calls or do more cold calls. Cold calls that I still hate doing with a passion even to this day. Just to meet some overall company target. But that would have been busy work and would have held no benefit for my business. Instead, I would use my time to review the clients and candidates and catch up on the market and to look at future trends that I could see where else I could take my business. And often I just took downtime so that I was ready to go again when the market needed me. So my view is that when measuring stats, first look at your output. What is your overall goal? What is it you want to achieve to get there? Then set a target based on units of that end goal. If you're hitting that target, then great. There's nothing more to review. Keep doing it. But if you fall short or if you feel you could increase the target, then you need to use stats, as the likes of Skiari and Ineos do, as a means for improvement. Look at your stats and compare with your peers and indeed yourself at your best and see how you can improve. Set up things like ratios based on best practice and look to improve those ratios. Aim for three CVs to one interview or two CVs to one interview, depending on your background. And then two interviews to an offer or one interview to an offer. Things like that can be tracked and managed. If you want to track call times, not something I'd advocate, then at least do it based on goals and success and not just trying to hit a, a number. Take a review after each call and see how long the call was and confirm what you got out of the time. If you feel that the call was useful, count it. If you don't, then don't. And whilst you're at it, debriefing the call is probably a better use of your time than tracking the call in itself. Use stats well, as is the case with Team Ineos, and you can make to look gradual, marginal gains on your skills and abilities. You'll then be better able to deliver against the targets that you want to deliver against. There are marginal gains that come from the stats, but only if you use them to improve what you're doing and not if they're a goal in and of themselves. So I hope those have been some good ideas and some thoughts for you for this week's Coffee Break. As I say, please hit me up on Facebook or Instagram if you think you've got anything else you want to share with me. And we'll look forward to giving you another Coffee Break next week. Mm-hmm.